You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Didn't you coach Burt Reynolds? Yes, I did. Was he any good? He was a defensive back. I know. Was he any good? I said. 103.9 FM LI News Radio presents The Weekend Crunch with Errol Marks and Josh Silverberg. Hello, Long Island, New York, and around the country. This is The Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, and my co-host... Joshua Silverberg. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. And on the board, as always, Mr. Tidy Whitey Man himself, Speedy Petey. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, later in the show, our special guest, the great and powerful Ian Eagle, Brooklyn Nets play-by-play voice, TNT, CBS, TBS, every single sports in the industry comes from the voice of the great Ian Eagle. Well, 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 it's been a great, great week for sports. The New York Knicks are playing great basketball. The Yankees and the Mets have to figure something out. I don't know what's going on with them. The Yankees can't stay healthy. They look like a bunch of 60-year-old men that can't stay healthy. And the New York Mets, they swing like a bunch of peewee hockey league players. I don't know what the heck is going on with them. And then you talk about the NFL draft, which we're going to get into in just a few moments. But when you look at New York sports, we are right now playing very, very well in practically every single sport. And to me, when you look at the Knicks and you look at the Brooklyn Nets, two teams that are going into the playoffs, the Rangers are probably going to fall short. The Islanders are going to be a pretty high seed right now in the, I guess you can call it the Eastern Conference. Mass Mutual East. I have no idea with how they set up this NHL crap. When are we going to go back to the normal Metropolitan Division? Hopefully next year. But the Islanders are going to be a dangerous threat in the playoffs, and the Rangers are going to be sitting home playing golf. But New York sports is on top of the world right now. I really believe we're going to be slowly but surely moving towards heavens, not to hell. We've seen this with all these years of bad sports and bad arguments of media droppage with all these teams. When you look at the media and what the media does, to the New York teams, it's absolutely horrendous. And even after Zach Wilson was drafted as the second pick for the New York Jets, and that's what we're going to get into right now, some of the media loved it, and some of the media were just taking shots at the kid. Oh, look at him. He's a pretty boy. He fits the New York culture. He's going to go into New York. He's going to be like Broadway Joe or Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez is a pretty boy. And what did he do for the Jets? Well, he went to two AFC title games, and he's remembered because of his butt fumble. And we all know about Sam Donald. He wasn't a pretty boy, but he saw ghosts. So I think when you look at Zach Wilson, it took me a while to really catch on what this kid is and what he's all about. I was very impressed with his composure. Even with his interviews after he got drafted by the New York Jets, you can see that he's a lot older than his age. He's 21 years old, and he has personality. He's more punctual than Sam was. And I think you need that in New York. You need a guy that's going to stand out, and he's going to stand up for his team, and he's going to stand up for who he is as a person. He's going to bring that personality out and he's going to show people who he is and what he's made of. I think that was the problem with Sam Darnold. I think that's what threw us off as a player with Sam Darnold. And really, the media just didn't catch on to Sam's perception of who he is. So I think that when you look at Zach Wilson, I think he was the right pick. Everybody that listens to the Sports Lab Mounts, when I went over the quarterback play, and I really checked
checked out film and a lot of highlights of these players from each game that they played this year. I think Zach Wilson was the right guy for the New York Jets, Josh. Absolutely, I think he was. He's a guy that you hear how he talks. Sounds very articulate. He's a guy that, compare his voice, the way his tone of his voice is compared to Sam Darnold's. He sounds like a kid that commands the huddle, which is something that this team needs. The biggest problem I had with Sam was he never commanded the huddle. You hear how he is. To me, it just didn't sound like a guy that was a leader for this team. And I know it sounds harsh, but it's just the reality in the way he talked and the way he went about it. Whereas when you see Zach Wilson and you see the way he goes about his business, I heard him on interviews with the Michael K show and all these different platforms that he's been on. Mr. Fairy, Mel Kuyper could say whatever he wants. <laughs> I, I, I don't care what he thinks. Mel Kuyper's got too much gel in his brain to even think at this point. For me, the New York Jets had to do it. You could see how serious Joe Douglas is about building around this kid. He's not going to make the same mistake where Mike McCagden, when he drafted Sam Darnold, he said, okay, we drafted the quarterback. Now he's just going to go out there and do whatever we need him to do and create everything for himself. That's not how you build around a rookie quarterback. You have to build the pieces and you have to put them around this kid to make him successful. Mike McCagden did not do that with Sam Darnold. And it is unfortunate. I feel horrible for Sam that that did happen. But to me, they're really going to build as much as they possibly can around this kid to Zach Wilson and make him successful in this league. He's got a big chip on his shoulder now. A lot of scouts are saying, was Justin Fields the better player? We'll find out. I'm under the assumption of I'm not going to count my chickens before they hatch anymore with Jets quarterbacks. I'm excited about Zach Wilson. But again, I was also excited about Sam Darnold. I was excited about Mark Sanchez. I wasn't (laughs) excited about Mark Sanchez. I always thought when we heard from Pete Carroll that Mark Sanchez was not ready to be in the NFL. That was what I thought, too. When he said that he needed to stay another year in college, I said that this is a little bit of a red flag. Mark Sanchez is what, 32? He's 32, 33, and he's retired already. We're watching Tom Brady play at 44 years old in the NFL. Mark Sanchez is already sitting home, getting married, has kids, running around on the beaches, and he's an analyst, okay? At 32, 33 years old. His career was, what, 10 years in the NFL? Where did Sanchez go? He, went, he was with the Jets. Philadelphia. He was there. Oh, he got the Chip Kelly seal of approval. He's a hell of a quarterback. He was all over the place. I think he went to three different teams Chicago before. and Dallas, I think, after Philly, too. And I think the whole steroid thing. But we're not even talking about Mark Sanchez. And we look at the team, and we look at what the Jets are doing now. They're building around Zach Wilson. The thing about Joe Douglas, and it was so interesting at his press conference, Robert Sala. I love Robert Sala. Robert Sala, he has such a punctual personality. He really stands out. What you look for in a coach. Rex Ryan, he's not Rex Ryan, but he kind of stands for who he is as a person. And I love that about him. And I think that he's going to bring the press to him. He's going to drive the fans to him. And I think people are going to want to get closer to Robert Sala because he's a pretty straight shooter. He's a straightforward guy. And that's why when he moved up for Elijah Vera Tucker, I was very impressed. Moving up nine spots, look what the Giants got for a haul for letting the Chicago Bears move up all the way to number 11. They got two first-round draft picks. They got a fourth, a fifth. They practically robbed the Bears for Justin Fields. And then you look at the Jets, Elijah Vera Tucker, the Jets were drafting at 23. The Minnesota Vikings were drafting at 14. The Jets went up nine spots and only had to give up two-thirds, and they got a fourth from the Minnesota Vikings. They won on that trade. And Elijah Vera Tucker, who's the third best lineman in this draft, some people say he could be the best one. And the Jets moved up and they snagged him up. They're going to put him right beside Mackay Beckham. Now they have one of the best young left sides 
in the NFL, Pro Bowl, Makai Beckham on one side, and right next to him, you're going to have a guy like Elijah Vera Tucker, who's going to be a Pro Bowl player, all pro player, like Quentin Nelson, where he compares his skills, Josh. Absolutely, and you see it this way. You see what the Bears had to trade up to the Giants to get Justin Fields. You're comparing what it is that the Giants are trading down for. The Bears are going after a quarterback. So the value is going to go up in the trade package because the Giants know the Bears are trying to trade up for a quarterback, whereas the Jets are trying to get a guard. So that's why when you see the trade packages, it's going to be a little different with the value of the picks because Minnesota knew what the Jets are going after. Nine spots. No, it is nine spots. That's a lot. I know you're saying a quarterback. I don't think so because if you know there's an alignment, alignment is just as important as a quarterback. You need someone that's going to be able to press. And Elijah Vera Tucker is a left tackle too. You can move him to the left side if you want. You can move him to the right side. You can move him to the inside. He can play multiple positions. He's versatile. To me, it's just as much as a quarterback. So to only give up two third round draft picks and you got a fourth for him that's a steal it was so funny when i called you about the trade package you were like i didn't like that they gave two thirds but then they hit you after what they got vera tucker and then you were like because i saw what the giants did i was just impressed joe douglas is a genius when it comes to the draft he is a genius he saw what happened with sam he saw this offensive line the receivers that sam Darnold had he's having an over the hill frank gore be his top running back and basically what he's going to do is he's going to tell everybody in this front office listen what we're going to do with Zach Wilson, we're going to do the complete opposite of what we did for Sam Darnold. Joe Douglas actually drafted Mekhi Becton for Sam Darnold. So in the end, he did whatever he could to help Sam. It was just, he was also so cap-strapped with all the bad contracts. Mike McCagden screwed this team over for years. Jeff fans have to take a step back, and I understand we still need a corner, you still need an edge rusher. That's fine. In this draft, edge rushers, there aren't many that really stand out. When you look at next year's draft, it is so defensive heavy in the draft next year. It's crazy. One of the corners, I believe, I have to see it again, is it's going to be a top five pick next year. One. Eric Stingley. Yeah, and that's the thing. When you hear the name like Stingley and stuff like that, Joe Douglas basically said, this draft is a lot of good receivers and offensive linemen, so we're going to do that this year. And then next year, when the draft is defensive heavy, we're going to go on the defensive side of the football. Well, look what they got next year. They got two firsts, two seconds. I think they have two thirds next they year, one fourth, which is great, but they're going to have to. They're definitely going to have to. You cannot draft all those picks because eventually five years, four years down the road, you got to pay those guys. You're not going to be able to pay all of them. So I think the Jets are going to have to trade some of those picks. And to me, going into the season, if there's a player available that fits their needs and is an available person to be traded, I think the Jets should give away some of these picks. So I don't think the Jets are done when it comes to trading and trade chips. But another Elijah was drafted on the second day. Elijah Moore, who I didn't know anything about, and I was actually working last night, and I heard about it. Actually, one of the guys from the party that I was DJing at came up to me and says, did you hear what the Jets got? And I said, who? And it, Elijah Moore. And then my friend Eric Martini actually texted me, and he told me, he's like, wow, we got one of the best wide receivers in the draft, and he fell to us. He says, we're in a very good position right now. And I did some research. Now, me and you were talking when I was driving home at 12 o'clock at night, and I didn't know much about him. I didn't watch Old Miss. So I had to look at his statistics. 86 catches in eight games, which is unbelievable. He dropped five passes throughout the season. The guy is a breakout type of wide receiver that can catch anything. You can move him in the slot, move him on the outside. He is a prototypical type of wide receiver that you can use in this Kyle Shanahan offense. He looks 
like the guy that we need moving forward, knowing that Jamison Crowder is going to be gone next year. You have Denzel Mims, and now you have another guy on the other side of the ball that can make plays inside and out of the hashes. I think that the Jets really position themselves in a very good position on the offensive side of the ball. This was one of my favorite draft prospects in the entire draft. When the Giants made their pick for Kadarius Sweeney, which we'll get into a little bit later, I told Speedy they should have drafted Elijah Moore. To me, I think he's the better receiver. He's the best slot guy in this draft but you don't have to use him at the slot. You can use him on the outside. He was a first-team pro in the SEC, which is one of the toughest conferences in the country. You're talking a conference that had Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle. I know Jamar Chase didn't play there this year, but to lead that and also to lead, I think, the country with receptions and with guards after the catch, that's an impressive stat, especially against these defenses. He had over, I believe, 100 receiving yards against the University of Florida. That's an amazing thing to do because you look at Florida's defense, it's pretty good. And to me, the comp I have for Elijah Moore, this is going to sound crazy, I see C. Smith. C. Smith is the perfect candidate for him. Go look at the size structure. Go look at the way they play. They play the exact same style. The two of them. If he's anywhere uh, close to Steve Smith, he's going to be a pro bless ball player. All, and that's all a good night. Well, we can all say that as a Jet fan. So hopefully the <laughs> New York Jets position themselves even further in this year's draft, being that they have two fourths, two fifths. I think they have one sixth, and I don't think they have a seventh. I think the Jets are positioned very, very well. And right now, the Jets have won the NFL draft. And on a lot of people's boards, they had three players that are in the top 20. The Jets have three of them. So that is a pretty remarkable position that Joe Douglas has put the Jets in. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll get into the New York Giants and what the New York Giants did. As you know, they traded down and they added a wide receiver. And what did they do in the second round? We will get into that when we come back in all of the NFL draft here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Little J himself, Joshua Silverberg. And on the board, as always, Mr. Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time, only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, I I will say this. The NFL draft has been very, very interesting. We can go up and down some of these rosters that have gotten stronger and some of these rosters that have really gotten weaker. When you look at the draft, you expect the draft to really take you to that next level. It's going to make your team younger, stronger, and better. And some of these teams really made themselves stand out to be deficient on what they were doing in this year's draft. And one of those teams, a lot of Giant fans would say it would be the Giants. Now, the New York Giants had to make a decision. And being that Devontae Smith was sitting there, the Eagles and the Cowboys screwed the Giants on getting the wide receiver that they wanted. Devontae Smith, I think that when you look at the Cowboys and the situation where the Cowboys were, they knew that Micah Parsons was sitting there, and that's where they wanted to attack it. And what they did was they said, hey, if we trade with the Eagles, then we don't have to deal with Devontae Smith with the Giants, but it doesn't make any sense why they would screw. Maybe the Cowboys hate the Giants so much, they didn't want the Giants to get Devontae Smith. So you know what? We'll give them to the Eagles because the Eagles already won a Super Bowl, and we don't want to see the Giants win a Super Bowl with the guy that we could have drafted. Could you imagine if Devontae Smith was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys? Could you, could you imagine that? Just think about it. Devontae Smith, you have C.D. Lamb, you have Gallup, and you have Amari Cooper. 
I would imagine one of those would have been traded. Why? <laughs> that, that would be too much. No, why would it be too much? Nobody would be able to stop them. Nobody would be able to stop them. Stop them, but who's going to stop paying them at some point when you have all those wide receivers? Well, Cooper's contract. Well, here's yeah. the thing: when was the last time the Cowboys won a Super Bowl? <laughs> the last time the Cowboys were an NFC champion. That's what I'm saying. Last year, they the, last the Cowboys won a Super Bowl. I don't even think Speedy was born. Yet. No, he was in. It was like '93, '94. <laughs> yeah, I think it was the year I was born. I think it was like right after that '90, '95, '96 season. What I'm saying is, you're trying to win a Super Bowl. So if you think that Devontae Smith is going to put you over that level, you no, draft them. They need defense. They need. I so understand that, but if you can outplay people on the field. You have a healthy Dak Prescott. Who is going to stop all four of those guys? You are going to score every time you go up and down the field. There's no team that can do that. And on a Mike McCarthy West Coast offense, it would have made more sense. And you still, being that Devontae Smith is a first-round draft pick, you have him for five years. And then you decide if you want Gallup, you want to keep Gallup, or you keep Devontae Smith and C.D. Lamb. If I were the Cowboys, I would have drafted Devontae Smith. Would have put him in a position to really solidify themselves as the most dangerous offense in the NFL. But they decided to trade with the Eagles. I'm sure they reached out to the Giants and said, hey, listen, we're, either you give us more or we're going to trade with the Eagles. And they said, we're not budging. So what did they do? They traded with the Eagles. The Eagles moved to 10. The Cowboys moved back down to 12. The Eagles got Devontae Smith, the wide receiver they've been absolutely really crying for. The New York Giants decide at number 11 to trade out with the Chicago Bears that Justin Fields was dangling around over there at number 11. And Justin Fields gets drafted by the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears gave the Giants their first round draft pick this year, their first round draft pick next year, a fourth and a fifth, and the Giants are smelling like roses right now, Josh. Oh, it was a great package for the New York Giants. Unless Justin Fields is a miracle worker as a rookie and decides to get them 10-11 wins, that could possibly be a potential top 10, top 15 pick. I think Justin Fields is going to have so many growing pains with the Bears, especially with that offensive line. I understand they got Tev Jenkins, but look, they needed a lot more help than just Tevin Jenkins on that line. And it's going to be a lot of issues being a rookie quarterback. And let's remember, Matt Nagy is still the head coach at the, with the Chicago Bears. I'll so leave him alone. Down, leave the guy. All harsh on Nagy. A poor man. I mean, everybody keeps oh, picking please, on him. Please give me a break. He's the one that came in there and he said, I could turn Mitchell Trubisky around. I could do it. I could do it. And now he's gone. Now he's the backup for the Buffalo Bills. So, well, Trubisky wasn't his guy, though. But when you come out and you say something like that, I could turn him around and make him. We've a- heard so many people say, do you think Joe Douglas didn't think that he can save Sam Darnold? I mean, you can't. Yeah, but you don't come out and say it. There's a difference. Matt Nagy came out and said it. Okay, so if there I are, told you coaches that have said that too, though, if, if I told Kingsbury you, said he turned Josh Rosen around and they draft Kyler Murray. If so. I told you right now I crapped in my pants and I didn't change, would that mean anything to you? Would I that... mean, I think it'd be absolutely disgusting and gross, and I feel bad for Speedy. But <laughs> <there's> a... <laughs> I'm just saying, just because you say something doesn't mean that it's always true. I okay. would tell you to go to Walmart to get some adult diapers for yourself if you really oh, need to go that I, I, I do need a couple of diapers, that's for sure, when I have to deal with you two idiots. But going back to what the Giants were doing, I mean, I thought it was a great – I thought both teams won. I think the Chicago Bears got their quarterback of the future. When a team loves a specific player, especially a quarterback, and you're a fan of it, you have to believe in what that organization is trying to do. The Chicago Bears desperately needed a quarterback, and they got Justin Fields. And what the Giants did, they got so much draft capital. Traded down twice in the draft. Something Dave Gettleman never even did before. And then they traded up in the third. Yeah, but still, though. He's learning. Got- He's learning from Joey. So Joey Doug. He still has more to learn, but okay. <laughs> he had to smack him around and tell him, look at this. Let me tell you something. You don't think. Somebody told him, look at this trade package the Bears are giving us. We have to take this. Now, do I agree with them taking Tooney in the first round? I like Kadarius Tooney. Did you see what the press is calling Gettleman? 
Trader Dave. <laughs> we made two trades. That's it. It's almost a recent Trader Brian. Dave. Bring him down. Show him what he's won, Bob. Oh, <laughs> a new wide it. receiver at 20. Oh, who is he? Oh, it's Mr. Tony. Who the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> they need draft capital. And the Giants have holes to fill as well. That could be a top 10, top 15 pick. Now, will Dave get them and be here to draft those players? I don't know. It depends on how the season goes this yeah. year. Look at it this way, though. If the Bears don't have a good season and the Giants don't believe in Daniel Jones, so now you could go into next year's draft and thinking, okay, we have two first-round picks. If we have to trade up to get a quarterback that we really like, we can now trade those assets and get that quarterback. And then getting Aziz Ujari in the second round. They needed an edge rusher, and getting him was a nice one. I'm very mixed. That was their best pick. He's from Georgia, right? Yeah, he was my favorite pass rusher. And, so and, I was and very didn't, happy didn't Gettleman draft somebody from Georgia? Lorenzo Carter. Yeah, so they got two guys that know each other very, very well. And he loves Georgia players, Dave yes. Gettleman. How yeah. could you yeah. not? Yeah, except one they drafted in the first round had legal issues. but Getting Ujari in the second round was a coup for them. Oh, yeah. An yeah. Alabama yeah. coach, and we've seen this, Georgia defensive players do pan out very, very well well in the NFL. And they drafted like Andrew Thomas speaker. last year, too. Yeah, another <laughs> Georgia player. I think getting Tooney was interesting. I thought Elijah Moore should have been the pick there. I'm amazed that Moore did fall that far. As good as Rashad Bateman is, I was even surprised Moore fell behind Bateman. What? And to me, I didn't really like that pick very much. There were other receivers on the yeah, board. Yeah, I thought they reached. Moore, I, I don't think they did. I, he reminds me of uh, Odell Beckham, a type of person that he likes to... crazy. No, I'm not. Tooney, Odell Beckham. Remember I said this. Game. He's a good player. He doesn't drop the ball at all. He's got great hands. He doesn't have potty yes, hands like Ingram. Shepard, where we've seen Shepard come into the league and really drop the ball a lot. This guy doesn't drop the ball. And he moves. He shakes players. He's a great route runner. He's one of the best route runners in this draft. That is important when you're playing in the NFL, and especially when you can move him inside and out. I think he's a good player. I don't know if he's Elijah or I don't think he's that type of player. I don't even but think he's a shot bait. That's, I, I disagree. I think that this guy could be a number one for the New York Giants. I think he could really pan out very, very well for the Giants. Uh, when you look at it right now, he's not the sexy name. He's not the sexy pick for the Giant fan. People were booing. Yeah, but well, the Devontae Smith was stolen from them. It wasn't their fault. Yeah, I mean, look, it happened. Thank you, Jerry. That's all you got to say. Thank you, Jerry. When you come out, both ends of the rivalry screwed the Giants. Here's the (laughs) screaming and the chants that you should hear when you go to Giant Stadium this year when the Cowboys come into town. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Jerry. Yeah, really. But look, I thought they showed a good draft. I think Tooney would be a good player. He wasn't my favorite receiver. I had him sixth. He was seventh on my board. But, but the thing is, Speedy, as a giant fan, you have to understand something. You just accumulate so much draft capital for your future, where if Daniel Jones doesn't work out, you can now trade up in the draft and get that quarterback now that you so desperately need because you have two first-round picks. I also traded back with Miami, too, in the second round after they went from 11 back to 18 when they drafted Ojolari. So they do well, have the Ojolari extra- was a great pick for so- them. I wasn't a big fan of Ojolari. But because I don't think he's a finished product yet, but I think Joe Judge will get it out of him to be that finished product. But getting Ojolari in the second round was a great pick. You can make the argument the Jets and the Giants had two of the best picks in the second round. Yeah, Ojolari, he was actually my favorite pass rushing prospect. In you like more than Quipe? 
I did because I think Quiddy Pay is a little more raw, and I think Ojolari was better for his size in run defense. Yeah, I, I, I'm the other. I just way worry about the knee stuff because like, the knee stuff is what stopped him from being the definitive first round pick. But still, trading back the way they did with the Dolphins, getting him the value that they did was very good. I just wish in the first round, even though you were saying with Moore being a better receiver, Bateman being a better receiver, they didn't even have to go to receiver in the first round. I would have probably well, went with one of the tackles. Yeah. They should have went. Mm-hmm. I would have taken Jenkins. They could have taken Darisaw, or even the guy that fell surprisingly was Awusu, Jeremiah Awusu. Because Blake Martinez cannot cover, so I wouldn't have minded that either. I think there was enough receivers where they could have waited in the, in the second round. But again, they made it work with drafting Ojolari, so the value kind of neutralized itself out when they got Ojolari, who was a nice value for where they got him and trading back. The way As you can see, that Speedy is a huge Giant fan, so he has to add his sense to it. But I think that he's right. The only problem with Awusu is he's exactly like I say, Simmons, where nobody knows where he's going to play. Is he safety? Is he linebacker? What is he? We don't know. Versatility matters in today's game, though. It does, but the problem is it's a matter of can he handle in the league the position that they put him at and I think that's the issue is does he have enough size on him as quick as he is can he be able to do what he did at Notre Dame and I think that's the only thing that was scary because you look at Isaiah Simmons he really struggled with the Arizona Cardinals last year to the end of the season he kind of finally figured himself out and Awusu is the same kind of player where we don't know what he is does he have the size to be a linebacker does he have the cover skills to be a safety that's why I think he fell in this draft because they saw what happened with Isaiah Simmons last year and it was a struggle for some people well it's also the kind of season too they had no training camp so that kind of player you really had to find the right fit. No, I understand that, but that was the biggest thing with Isaiah Simmons, right? Nobody knew what he could play. Is he a safety? Is he a linebacker? You're talking about to a Giants fan that wanted them to draft Isaiah Simmons last year. Oh, sorry to hear that. Mm. <laughs> well, like I said, the Giants got value at number two. A lot of Giant fans were upset where they were going after going with Tony in the first round, but I think the Giants really solidified what they needed to do in the second round. I think Tony's going to be a good player for the Giants. I really do. I think he's going to be their number one. He's a talented young man, and nobody thought Odell Beckham was going to be as good as he was. I was one of very few people that thought Odell Beckham was going to be good. I remember a couple of years ago when he was a rookie, he didn't start the season. He had hamstring problems. Yep. Missed the first four games. Yep. And, and everybody was like, oh, here we go. We wasted, yeah. we wasted a draft pick. He's not going to be any good. And then look what he did. He had that cowboy catch. And then his whole career completely transitioned into the greatest wide receiver since Jerry Rice. His rookie I, season was second best in terms of different comparisons only to Jerry Rice and Randy Moss is what they were saying in that year. When we come back ladies and gentlemen we will get into the full nfl draft in the first and second round and it is the third and last day of the nfl draft where some of these teams need to go and what some of these teams need to do here on the weekend crunch we are back ladies and gentlemen this is the weekend crunch i'm your host Errol marks my co-host joshua silverberg on on the board as well is Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time, only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Scene Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Remember, you can listen to us and follow our shows on the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, World Wide Sports Radio Network. I like that music. You got me pumped. That's I, your guy, Tiesto. Yeah. Well, I actually opened up for Tiesto right. a couple of times. So I got to meet DJ Tiesto. I have a couple of pictures with me and DJ Tiesto. German guy. Uh, very, very nice guy. 
The guy is an absolute music genius. That's why he's worth millions and millions of dollars. I'm not a musical genius yet. Maybe I'll be a musical genius if I fart enough. There could be music coming out of that, but that's about it. But I actually am very good at making music, by the way. But I'm not DJ Tiesto. But anyways, I want to get back into the NFL draft. And we talked about the Jets. We talked about the Giants. But we didn't talk about the out-scheme of some of these teams. And scheming to their fit of their teams. And I will say this. We talk about the quarterbacks and how this was a quarterback-heavy draft. And next year it isn't. Trey Lance going to three to the San Francisco 49ers. Really, out of the whole first round, stuck out. Everybody keeps saying Mac Jones going 15 to the New England Patriots. And it pissed off Jeff from Tampa. To me, the one that really stuck out to me was Trey Lance going three. I look at Trey Lance. I don't know... If he's going to start this year, it doesn't seem like he's going to. I think he's a project. And I think that if Jimmy Garoppolo gets into trouble this year, if it isn't Aaron Rodgers, and we've been hearing enough of Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is a guy that has always wanted to play for San Francisco. He wanted San Francisco to draft him. They obviously decided to go with Alex Smith. So I look at the San Francisco 49ers. They needed a quarterback for the future. They didn't believe Jimmy Garoppolo was the future of that organization, especially losing into the Super Bowl a couple of years ago against the Kansas City Chiefs. I think going with Trey Lance was an interesting move. I would have went with Mac Jones, even if he was backing up a guy like an Aaron Rodgers. he keep Jimmy Garoppolo. I would have put Mac Jones on the bench because he's NFL ready. Trey Lance, you don't know when he's going to be NFL ready, if he ever is going to be NFL ready. Now, I, I'm, I'm just saying that he is definitely going to be NFL ready because they wouldn't have drafted him if they didn't think that he would be. But it scares me when you take a guy that high, doesn't matter how athletic he is, to think that, Josh, he was going to be the guy and the future guy for your organization. It's a tough situation because you've heard all the rumors running rampant, right? About Aaron Rodgers. Is he getting traded? Is he not? You heard the rumor that they would offer the third overall pick, Jimmy Garoppolo, and other draft picks to the Packers for Aaron Rodgers. And instantly, if Aaron Rodgers went to the 49ers, they're my favorites for the Super Bowl. It's that simple. He's a game changer for them. We'll see about what Trey Lance is. I think him sitting a year or whatever amount of games that Jimmy G is going to start. And if Jimmy G struggles, then... That's when Trey Lance comes in. It's that simple. This is a project guy. This is a guy that I think you sit him for a couple games, let him learn on the fly, and you hope that he comes out and he's successful. Josh Allen did it in Buffalo, too, when Tyrod Taylor was there. It's the same thing. It's you let him sit a couple of games. A couple of games? He's going to sit out the whole season, bro. He's going to sit out the whole season. And that's fine. Jimmy G, he's been to a Super Bowl. So he... <laughs> what does that listen, mean? How many quarterbacks can say that? Yeah, and he lost. He lost a game that he should have won. And Absolutely. I think that San Francisco 49ers were the better team. Absolutely. But not many teams, not many quarterbacks can say that they've been to a Super Bowl where you now have the experience and you've come from a Patriot organization as well, where you know sitting behind Tom Brady as well. So maybe Garoppolo can help that out with Trey Lance. Mac Jones going to 15. It was interesting. Why? He's another Tom Brady hybrid. That's you what he is. You cannot compare him to Tom Brady. I'm not comparing him to Tom Brady. That's what you guys don't understand. If you stand them up next to each other, they're the same size. You oh, look at their body structure. It's the same when they came into the league. Yeah, you look at the way he plays. Pocket present quarterback. Steps into his passes. Very good footwork in the pocket. Who has very good footwork in the pocket? Tom Brady. Who audibles the plays and shifts the lines at the line of scrimmage in an Alabama type of offense? Mike Jones. Who played for Saban in a Belichick type of offense? I don't know. Mac Jones? It all makes sense. I think he's a lot better than people make him out to be. I think he's the perfect fit to the Patriot offense. 
They love to run schemes with running backs, moving and shifting running backs to the wide receiver position. They love to pitch passes and pitch plays in the open field. They do so many different things in their offense because it's a McDaniels type of offense. That's going to be McDaniels' guy when Belichick decides to retire. So I think it was a great fit. I don't know what anybody is saying. It's terrible what they're saying about this kid. I think you need to give this kid an opportunity to really succeed. And he well, will win, get one. He will win the job. He will win the job against Cam Newton. Absolutely. He's an accurate passer. He's great inside and out of the pocket. He's not a mobile quarterback. But we have seen this in this league. And Tom Brady has proven it. We've seen other quarterbacks prove it over the years. It don't matter how athletic you are. If you are a good pocket present passer, you can succeed in the NFL. The only problem that I have with Mac Jones is I think he's a product of a system. Why is it so coincidental that two of his wide receivers are taken in the top 10? Oh, come on. This and, is the problem. And why was his left tackle picked 17th overall, albeit it was a complete reach by the Las Vegas Raiders? No shock there. Why is his star left tackle? Why is it a reach? Leatherwood is a good player. Alex Leatherwood could be a pro bowler. Leatherwood's a good player. Overall. They should have, still should have taken a corner. <laughs> not at 17 overall. You're not taking out. And with other guys on the board, so like Darasol and those guys, you're not. Darasol stinks. Leatherwood could be better than Darasol. I, I could see it too, but do you really think taking him 17th overall was a good pick? They, no, they should have taken Newsom. They should have taken Newsom, but we we don't know what Newsom's going to be. Remember, Newsom is well, small. Even getting a small Newsom corner. Was... Cleveland got a steal with Newsom. Well, they to differ Wusu. on that. And, yeah. and they got a Wusu. A so Wusu's like, different. I still have to see more with Newsom. I'm not very high on Newsom. Well, he doesn't Especially have to be number one, though. He comes from Cleveland. Northwestern. Look, Slater fell. Nobody thought Slater was going to fall. Sewell felt it. Oh, that was a great pick. Sewell <laughs> felt at seven when he was a top three prospect going into the college season. You're talking about a generational type of lineman. Thank you, Bengals. Uh, we knew Jamar Chase was going to the base. Well, I know. That's I, mean, that's I know we did, but it was such a bad pick, man. Why? Jamar because Chase was the best wide receiver in his draft. More rookie quarterback tore his ACL last year. So? And they're they're gonna tra- quarterback didn't they draft an offensive lineman in the second day? Jackson Carmen. And they traded back, and they actually got two fourth-round picks from the That doesn't matter. You want to make sure you get the given, Speedy. You get Panay a guy that you know is going to protect your quarterback every single game. And who is he throwing to? I agree with you, Josh. And who is he throwing to? I'm just saying they at least made up the value, I think. Who are you throwing to? another wide receiver in the second round. Who? guys there. They could have got Rondell Moore. So you think Rondell Moore is Jamar Chase? No, he's not Jamar Chase, but that's a guy that you could still maybe work to. Jamar Chase was by far the best wide receiver in this class. Always protect your quarterback first. You watch. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is going to be a star in this league. No, I think he will be. I think he's going to be a great player, but when a quarterback, your quarterback tears their ACL his first year, you do everything in your power to make sure you get that solidified left tackle spot in the blind side. Always is so important. And I think right there, when you had Sewell for the taking, you worry about wide receiver later on. That's fine. I really believe that. Because I beg to differ on that. That's your insurance right there. Joe Burrow is your guy. They got their offensive lineman in the second round that fits their that's scheme. Fine. How do you know that Sewell fits their scheme and what they want to run? You need a wide receiver that's going to be a breakout talent. Who Generate- is their breakout talent wide receiver? Yeah, Who but is you said it? Sewell is a generational talent, right? You said that. Yes. So what does it matter what scheme he is? Let me ask you a question. You get Sewell over there. You okay. don't get Rondell. You don't get anybody this year. Who are you throwing to next year? You could get a wide receiver. Who? In the draft. Tell me. Give me one. The drafts are next Who? year. But a wide receiver you can always you, get. Not next year. This year. You're going into the season this year. Who are you throwing uh, to? We'll see if Joe Burrow lasts on his feet. Mm-hmm. Well, you better, they better hope this left tackle is good enough. Because mm-hmm. if he gets hit again and he tears another ACL, 
That's it for his oh, career. Oh, get out of here. What, what I'm rubbish. I'm being dead serious, this is man. Rubbish. When you tear your ACL your rookie year, that's a problem. Jamar Chase changed the out scheme of what this team could be in the open field. He is that good. And the fact that nobody thought that that was a good move, it's ridiculous. And I will even bet you that he'll be up for offensive rookie of the year this year. Joe Burrows doesn't tear his ACL again. Don't worry about Joe Burrows. He'll be fine. They had a good plan. I think Sewell was probably at the time the, the better pick, but they had a good plan amidst Chase, too, because the tackle runs didn't really come until later in the second round. They really played it well where they traded back. They got the extra two fourth-round picks from the Patriots, and they knew the tackles weren't going as quickly because they didn't go as quickly in the first round either until the Raiders took Leatherwood and Minnesota took Darisaw. That gave them a lot more leeway. Chicago traded up for Tevin Jenkins later. That gave them a lot more leeway where they could have done that and got it in that range, whereas the receivers went more quickly. So I think amidst all that, they still had a good plan, though, so you have to give them credit there. And they filled their three needs so far and got great value with all of them. There'll be great values when they wind up succeeding in this league. I'm not denying that Jamar Chase is going to be a stud. I think Jamar Chase is going to be the best receiver in this draft class. It's a no-brainer. He's going to be a great player. You don't know that, but it's standing uh, out I in the beginning. I believe he will be. I believe- number one on my board ahead of Devontae Smith and Waddle. But my thinking is this. I just get worried when a quarterback in their rookie season tears their ACL I want to make sure I do everything in my power to protect the kid at all costs. You do know Jamar Chase can block, too. Right, you can't block on the offensive line. It doesn't matter. You know he can block on the outside. He, he can fun. block. All right, the Bengals already made the best move of the offseason by cutting Bobby Hart. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's just all you need to make yeah, well, your offensive yeah, that's line a win better. Right there, Addition by subtraction. <laughs> I think that when you look at the big picture, Jamar Chase was a win for the Bengals. I think you you put them together with his quarterback from LSU, and they won a national championship together. It makes a lot of sense. And it puts them in a situation, the Bengals in a situation, to solidify their offense for many, many years to come. When we come back, we have a very special guest, the great voice of the Brooklyn Nets, CBS Sports, TBS, TNT, you name it, the great Iron Eagle, here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Joshua Silverberg, and Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time, only on 103.9 The LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Scene Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. And remember, guys, you can check out our website, the Worldwide Sports Radio website, at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android at Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, I will say this, guys. I've been waiting to get this guy on the line for a very, very long time. We haven't interviewed him for about a year and a half, and he's a good friend. He's the man, the myth, the legend. Iron Eagle. What's going on, Iron? Hey, what's up, guys? I feel like I'm there with you, in a way. (laughs) Well, I will say this, Iron. You're very well known in the broadcasting world. You're the voice of the Brooklyn Nets. You're the voice of CBS for the NFL on Sundays. It's great to listen to you. It's great to hear you. So I really want to get into the NFL and the NFL draft. Actually, on Thursday, my birthday, April 29th, Zach Wilson is the guy that the New York Jets are looking at to draft at number two. What are your thoughts of Zach Wilson, his talent, and bringing him in to the New York Jets? You know, in all sincerity, something I've learned doing the NFL the last 23 years, the draft comes around. I'm fully immersed in the NFL during the season. That's 
18, 19, 20 weeks if you start including playoffs, four more weeks for preseason before they make the change this coming year. And I get to the NFL draft, and I've seen very little of these guys play. I've caught Zach Wilson on some videos, occasionally on TV, but I can't even pretend to tell you that I know what he's going to be at the next level. College basketball is different. I live in that world. I see these guys before they get to the NBA. College football, I don't see it. So (laughs) I got to be perfectly frank with you. Every year when I go into the NFL to prepare for it, I'm starting from scratch with these guys. I learn about them once they make a team, once I'm assigned that team. But until that point, I'm just not the guy to lean on for NFL draft information. I know the Jets obviously are high on him, and they made a very tough decision in regards to Sam Darnold. But the reality was nobody within the organization right now had any ties with Sam other than getting to know him the last couple of years. Joe Douglas didn't draft him. Robert Sala obviously had no connection to him. And once you peeled away the onion, you realize that they were probably going to go out and do their own thing. And also buy some time by drafting a quarterback now in the first round in 2021. That probably buys you three years as a decision maker, as a head coach, because you have to allow time for this whole process to develop. So just looking at it from that perspective, I felt pretty strongly that the Jets were going to make a move like this. Robert Sala became the new head coach with the New York Jets. The Jets have had a lot of bad coaching for a while now. What do you think Sala will bring the most, especially with the players as a whole and with this defense with the New York Jets, a 4-3 defense now in comparison to having a 3-4 for years? Before we even get into the football side of it, anyone that I've talked to in regards to Robert Sala will tell you his communication skills are what sets him apart. His ability to connect with players, his ability to cut through a lot of the BS and talk to a player the way they need to be spoken to. The idea that this is a family, the idea that there is one goal, one objective, getting everybody to buy in. You don't take that for granted in this league. And those that usually can get to that level of communication are very successful. The football side of it, he's been an aggressive defensive coordinator, as we know with San Francisco. Certainly the scheme is going to change and one in my mind that fits better with today's NFL. It's just always felt like at least recently the Jets were trying to take a square peg and jam it into a round hole. I like this scheme a lot more and I think there's an intensity that he brings to the position that this team desperately needed a passion and that connectivity that maybe has been lacking in recent years. I think he will be a media darling because he presents himself very well. His press conferences already have been outstanding. And while that doesn't matter in the grand scheme, I don't think fans care if their head coaches are loved by the media or do well in their weekly press conferences. It doesn't hurt. And it certainly doesn't hurt in New York when you're trying to turn things around and trying to get people back engaged in this team. They've got a long way to go. This roster is highly flawed. They have to hit on not a couple of players in the draft. It's time. Just look at their drafts in recent years. They've taken major whiffs. They need to get five players that can contribute to this team, not two and three maybes. They need five players that can step in and play a role on the 2021 version of the Jets. 
you brought up Sam Darnold earlier, and in everybody's mind, everybody feels like Sam got a raw deal here with the lack of talent around him from the coaching aspect of it to the GM that drafted him and then got fired the next year right after the draft was over, which was yeah. very fugazi and weird. What were your thoughts on Sam's timing, and do you think Sam could still be a success story with the Carolina Panthers? I think he can. I think there's a lot of ability there, having met with him probably – between preseason games and regular season games eight or nine times over the last few years. I was always impressed. Uh, I thought there was a maturity. Uh, I thought he was trying to do all the right things. And there were certain things that came to him naturally and certain things that he had to figure out. Josh McCown was a tremendous resource for him in bouncing things off of and getting an understanding of the position and what it means to be a pro. But ultimately, it's you out there. And with a bad offensive line and this past season, probably the worst collection of skill position players in the NFL, how could you expect him to flourish under those circumstances? There are some scouts that will tell you that they didn't see enough improvement. The mistakes that he was making as a rookie, he was still making in his third year. In my estimation, he didn't have the support. Carolina, Matt Rule, the hope would be that those two will find a lot of common ground and that he will be put in a position to succeed as opposed to what we saw the last couple of years with the Jets. So if you're asking me, can he be a successful quarterback in the NFL? My resounding answer is yes. Can he be a top five QB in the NFL? That might be pushing it. Uh, there might be limitations to the ceiling just based on what we've seen from his first few years in the NFL. We are talking to the voice of the Brooklyn Nets and the voice of CBS Sports, TNT. This guy is all over the place, the great Ian Eagle. Ian, we look at the draft and we talk about Trevor Lawrence. We talk about Wilson. We talk about Justin Fields. We talk about the Patriots possibly moving up to number eight if Justin Fields falls to number eight. When you look at this draft class and being that with the COVID-19 season, a lot of these teams didn't get an opportunity to really play. So a lot of these players are going into a draft where you don't know what they were going to do in their sophomore year or their junior year or their senior year. So they're going into the draft cold turkey. Do you think that this draft is going to be more amusing than any other draft because of the fact that we didn't get the chance to see some of these players going into the draft this year? Yeah, one thing that we've always learned about the NFL draft, it gives fan bases hope more than anything else. That's a day in the year, even if you're coming off a 1-15 season, a 2-14 season, a season that had very few highs. That day as a fan base and as a team, as an organization, you finally have something to sell again, hope. So I think every year when we go into the draft and there's this mysterious element of where guys are going to fit in and how they're going to play as pros, you have to take it all with a grain of salt. This year's version, probably a little bit more mysterious, just based on the fact that there isn't the same body of work that teams have to lean on. They couldn't send scouts out in person to go see a bunch of these players. Even the pro days were not what they normally are. To nail the draft, you have to have a real good feel for the individual. And what we're seeing is a lot of Zoom calls and a lot of trying to get to the bottom of it with people that you know, that know this guy, that know that guy, and things are going to slip through the cracks. Already, it's an imperfect science. So now you toss this into the equation this year when you just haven't had the same kind of exposure level to these players. When we look back on it, the 2021 draft is going to be a pretty wild affair. 
because you might have guys that go too high and teams reach and you certainly will have players that end up going too low that were overlooked that just didn't get the attention that they normally would get during a normal college football season. Are there any teams that are picking maybe earlier than you expected that maybe one player, one star draft pick can make them a Super Bowl contender right away that's maybe in the top 10 or had a losing record last season? I think Miami surprised people last year, and I would certainly put them in that category as a team that is pretty close. Now, whether or not Tua can turn into the real deal, I had a couple of their games late in the season And what I noticed from Tua, everything was pretty much by the book. And they want to get a bit more creative. They want to see him throw the ball downfield. I don't think he's quite comfortable there yet with that in his arsenal. What we saw when Ryan Fitzpatrick got in there was someone that was willing to sling it. And he's been willing to do that his entire career, starting in year one when he was with the Rams. This is his mentality. He's always had that approach of, hey, I'm just going to let it rip. Tua, to me, was a bit conservative. Coming off the injury, that might be a part of it. And learning the offense and not having a normal offseason and not having a preseason. All of those things were factors, no doubt about it. But in year two, they expect him to catch up to the rest of the team. And Miami would be a squad that I think is closer than some people might think. They showed some terrific things last year. I think they're still a team that could take a big leap forward and maybe be a factor in the AFC. Speaking of teams that are thinking about taking a big leap, I want to talk about the Giants and where they're at with Daniel Jones and people believing in him. If he's the guy, is he not the guy? What are your thoughts when you see Daniel Jones? I mean, signing Kenny Galladay this offseason, trying to put as many pieces around him as possible. Are they giving him enough to succeed? Do you believe in Daniel Jones as a player? I believe in Daniel Jones and the flashes that I've seen in Daniel Jones. The ability is there. There's no doubt. And his ability to use his legs. I'm not shy about running with the football. I happen to call that game in Philadelphia on radio where he stumbled. And, <laughs> and as we know, it went down as a bit of a low light. But let's keep it in mind. The fact that he could sprint at that level and get out. He's faster than people give him credit for. I think he's more athletic than people might give him credit for. And he can make all the throws. The issue has been consistency and turnovers. It's that simple. And I know they've pounded that home to him. This is going to be a critical year. I don't think that those mistakes will be accepted like we've seen in the first couple of years. But I do like the explosiveness. And I do think he still has room there. This is certainly not a finished product by any stretch. More weapons, no doubt. Big help. A healthy Saquon Barkley. Huge help. It was frustrating because of the lack of consistency on the offensive end. But the Giants showed some signs. And I do think while Dave Gettleman has certainly been in the spotlight and has been highly scrutinized, and rightfully so, he has been skillful in the draft in his previous stint in Carolina and when he was scouting for the New York Giants in his previous iteration. And this might be it for Dave. If this doesn't pan out this year, there might be some changes on the horizon for the Giants. So I think it's a crucial year 
on many levels for the Big Blue. Well, I will say this. Him tripping on his feet was almost as impressive as Mr. Mark Sanchez and the butt fumble. But all in all, this is New York quarterback. So Yeah, I, I called that game as well. So maybe it's me. <laughs> At this stage, we have to see what the common denominator is. <laughs> well, that's New York sports. I can't say anything more than that. As you guys know, we are talking to the voice of the Brooklyn Nets and the voice at CBS and TNT, everything. This guy is the biggest and the best play-by-play guy in the country, Ian Eagle. Now, Ian, I want to shift over to the NBA, and you're the voice of the Brooklyn Nets. Are you surprised of Kyrie Irving's aggressiveness and really his growth as a leader for the Brooklyn Nets, losing Kevin Durant for a significant amount of time, James Harden, they've only played about seven games together since James Harden was traded over there. Are you surprised that Kyrie Irving's growth this year as a leader has really thrived the Brooklyn Nets to be the number one team in the Eastern Conference? Not surprised, but I think it's been good validation for him. This offseason, he certainly heard a lot of stuff around the NBA coming out of the bubble, which he did not participate in. There were a lot of conversations about whether or not this would work, whether or not the personalities would mesh. That's when it was just Kyrie and Durant, and they are very close and they're very friendly. Then James Harden joins in, and we hear a chorus of NBA observers start to portray this as a potential failure. And it's been anything but. The three of those guys have flourished and they've thrived. Injuries have been the issue, yet they still continue to win. And they have the best record in the Eastern Conference. With Kyrie, I got to tell you, having done the NBA for all these years and worked a bunch of his games in Cleveland and Boston, I knew he was really talented. He won a championship with LeBron James. He hit the biggest shot in that series to seal the deal. I didn't know it was at this level. He has all-time ability. I'm talking about his skill level as a ball handler, as a shot maker, as a penetrator. It's really impressive. And as a play-by-play guy, I can tell you, he has packed in 10 years worth of highlights into about 65 games. Wow. This is not me just throwing out superlatives. This is real deal. He's got three or four plays a game where you feel like you've never seen it before. It's eye-popping. So his ability is through the roof. His attitude right now and the buy-in aspect has been at a very high level as well. And look, everybody knows this team is going to be judged on what they do in the playoffs. All of these regular season results are great, but they don't amount to anything because the postseason is where the Nets will either develop this incredible story of these three megastars coming together and winning a championship or the disappointment of not reaching the full potential and fulfilling expectations. A lot of people have criticized the Nets, one, for lack of defensive play this season, and also, two, relying too much on the big three and a worrisome bench. Is there any players in particular that you've watched in broadcasting with the Nets that are maybe under the radar depth pieces or veteran leaders that make more of a difference to this Nets team than people realize just beyond the Nets' big three? I think those were legitimate criticisms at one point in the season. I don't know if they're legitimate criticisms now. Their defense has absolutely improved from early when the trade was made, and their bench has actually been very effective. Joe Harris starts, but Joe Harris is certainly a guy that has earned his money and continues to be one of the elite shooters in the NBA. Two under-the-radar players that I don't think a whole lot was expected from, at least at the level that they've produced this year. Bruce Brown 
Brown and Jeff Green, guys that anybody in the NBA could have had. And Sean Marks went out and got both of them. And they're both on very economical deals. And both have been perfect fits, perfect complementary pieces for the big three. Beyond that, we've seen Tyler Johnson come back from injury and provide a pop and a lift from the bench. Blake Griffin has played team first basketball, unselfish basketball. And while he had the superstar label, his whole way is not that of a superstar. It's of someone that just wants to be part of this group, wants to win a championship, wants to prove that he still has something left in the tank. So really good vibes right now from the team. You just never know. And with everything that's going on with the protocols, I don't have the same access that I once had. I'm not around the players. I'm not around the coaches. I'm in a different zone entirely from NBA players and coaches. And it was the same thing for NFL and for college basketball. I just didn't have the same interaction. And you still got to go do your job and you got to do it well. And you've got to educate yourself and try to get as much information as possible in any way that you can. But it's not like it was pre-pandemic. And by the way, that's how it has to be. I think everybody understands that for these games to continue. It's not a bubble, but it's a pseudo bubble that these players and coaches have been in. I know some people would put the Nets as the favorites coming out of the Eastern Conference. I am one of those. I don't think it's going to be as easy as maybe. No one said you were smart, Josh. Because you mentioned it earlier, I think James Harden's only played in seven games with Kyrie and Katie together. And yet he played in eight games in Houston, which is crazy when you think about that number. He's played in more games with the Rockets this year than he has with his new teammates. Do you find that chemistry going into the playoffs because with three mega stars and one basketball that this could hinder the team's chemistry going into it, especially with the way they're playing right now? I don't believe so, just based on everything that I've heard from inside that locker room and how the roles have developed. James Harden, when he got to Brooklyn, he took his time. It wasn't jump right in and start telling everybody what they should be doing. But I got to tell you, two weeks into it, he was very vocal and he was calling guys out and he was sharing his opinions. And he's a basketball savant. Kevin Durant is a baller and he really is a plug and play type of guy. You need him to do some things away from the ball. He can do it. You need him to dominate with scoring. He can do it. You need him to play defense. He can do it. He can do anything on the floor. So then that comes down to Kyrie and where he fits in a huge moment was pretty early in the tenure and although I think it had already been determined behind the scenes and anyone that was watching the team on a day-to-day basis would notice it but when Kyrie publicly said James is the point guard and I am off the ball and it was a huge game changer in understanding what the mindset was there was no battle there was no quarrel there were there was no day-to-day issue as to who was going to handle the ball it was James Harden and now Kyrie has been forced back into that role because of the injury to the beard the three superstars one ball theme look in Boston I saw it with Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen and Paul Pierce and they went and won the championship in Miami I saw it with LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bob and they went out and fulfilled their destiny, winning championships. 
Obviously, Golden State had big-time players, and with Thompson and Curry and Durant, they won championships, so it can be done. I understand the chemistry question. The hope would be that it's not going to take that long for them to get back into the swing of things. And the one point I would make just to highlight what you said, Josh, I don't know, if healthy, if there's a team out there that can outscore the Nets. And I don't mean just go out and beat them. I mean outscore them four times in a seven-game series. It's going to require you to score 120 to 125 points every game, potentially, to beat them. That's the kind of firepower that we're talking about. We know defense in the playoffs gets ratcheted up a level. This team can score. They can score on anybody in the league. Well, Ian, I've learned a lot of new words today. From you, with the word plays that you use, anybody that knows Ian Eagle, the way he announces and really his play-by-play and his reactions to the Brooklyn Nets, it's phenomenal. There's nobody like it. As you guys know, we are talking to Brooklyn Nets announcer slash TNT, TBS, CBS, you name it, he's on it. Play-by-play conglomerate, Ian Eagle. Before we let you go, I want to know your opinion right now with the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks are the hottest team in basketball. Talk about Julius Randle, how he's become a superstar under Tom Thibodeau, Payne over there, Rose, Wesley. This is a totally different managed team. There's no more James Dolan. We're not hearing from Charles Oakley this year. We heard enough from Patrick Ewing, that's for sure. But we look at the New York Knicks. This is a completely different New York Knicks team. This is the number one defense in the NBA, from the worst defense in the NBA last year to number one in the league. What are your thoughts to this New York Knicks team? Quickly, all the different young players that they have, R.J. Barrett's growth. What are your thoughts to that team? I'm blown away. Blown away by their improvement. Blown away by their professionalism. Blown away by the job that Tom Thibodeau has done with this team. It's hard in the NBA to improve markedly from one year to the next. It usually is baby steps. And let's take Phoenix as an example. Last year, they fell just short of the playoffs, but they were tremendous in the bubble. And if you thought that maybe Phoenix would be a team that could jump a little bit and be a five seed or a six seed, no. They took a step beyond that. And what the Knicks have done to me is very similar in how much they've improved in such a short period of time. And it really does speak to the culture and how badly they needed to change it. The best part of this, in my mind, guys, is the fact that both teams in New York are good at the same time. That's really important. If you want basketball crazed fans, I'm not talking about specifically Nets fans, specifically Knicks fans. I'm talking about New York basketball fans. If you want them to truly be immersed, both teams have to be competitive. Not one, both. And finally, we're at a point where both teams look like they've got a real shot in the postseason. The Knicks, based on their defense, based on Julius Randle playing at an all-NBA level, a perfect marriage of coach and player. Tom Thibodeau, he rides his guys hard, but the results are there. You know, look what he did in Chicago. Minnesota, although maybe guys started tuning out, I think a lot of that had to do with Jimmy Butler not being there and the balance of power shifting. And Tom Thibodeau ended up moving on. But this was a tremendous hire. This guy was born to be an NBA head coach, and he's done wonders with this team. And his work with Randall and development, you just can't ask for a more simpatico relationship. This was the perfect storm for New York 
and for Knicks fans. So more power to them. I hope it continues. I hope they ride it into the playoffs. And between us guys, I hope these two teams play in the postseason because that would bring the rivalry up a level. And that's really how you establish rivalries, games that matter, games that mean something, not just a regular season game in December for bragging rights locally. I'm talking about a game that could be the difference between advancing or going home in the playoffs. That's what separates rivalries. In your broadcasting career, your favorite call you've ever had or favorite game you broadcasted, and also a sport that maybe is under the radar or lesser known that you enjoy broadcasting and why? Yeah, I'll take the second one first. I got tossed into the NCAA track and field championships on CBS way back in, I want to say, 04. And I had never been to a track and field event in my life, let alone called one. (laughs) And I loved it. I ended up doing eight straight years until CBS lost the rights to ESPN. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. There was something about the pacing of it for a play-by-play announcer, the way I looked at it. Every race was like a touchdown call. And if it was a close race, it was exciting. If it was a dominant finish, it was equally exciting. So that's how I prepared myself mentally. And I really enjoyed it. It was once a year. It was in different locations, Austin, Texas, Sacramento, California, Iowa one year, Arkansas another year. And it ended up being a much more enjoyable experience than I ever anticipated when I accepted the gig. For me to specifically say one event that stood out, that would be way too difficult. I've been really fortunate to call a bunch of big events, sometimes on a world feed where it's broadcast internationally to English-speaking countries. So it might be played in the United Kingdom and Israel and parts of Indonesia. I'm huge in Indonesia. I can't walk the streets of Indonesia. <laughs> big, big, big. But I did NBA Finals, Michael Jordan over Brian Russell, his last game as a member of the Chicago Bulls for anybody that watched the docu-series on ESPN. That was obviously a big part of it. Called that game. I called the NCAA championship game between Duke and Butler. Hayward shot, went off the rim. If it goes in, to me, it might be the greatest upset in sports history and the greatest ending in sports history. A mid-court shot to beat Duke. It comes up just off the mark, and it still was an incredible game. You name it. I've been there and it's been fun. I'd like to say that I haven't experienced it yet. There's still a call down the road that's going to top all of them. We just don't know when it's going to happen. And when you wake up in the morning on the day of the game, you don't know if that's going to be the game. So that's what keeps me motivated and keeps me focused on doing quality work every time I go on the air. Last one from me. I got to ask you about your son, Noah. How proud of you were you just to see him do that game on Nickelodeon, see the rave reviews about the job he did, all the people that tuned into it. I mean, I watched it on that feed. It was awesome. I thought it was great. It was a creative, innovative idea to do it that way. And I think the NFL needs to do more of that. How proud of you, not just as a person, but as a father to him as well, of the job that he did that game. I appreciate the kind words, first and foremost. That means more than anything else that's been said on our interview, because when it's your kid, it hits you differently. Whatever accolades you receive or awards, it pales in comparison to when your son or your daughter does something people like. And the nerves for me were much higher as a dad than they've ever been as a broadcaster personally. I was doing a game at the same time as the Nickelodeon game. I was doing a net game. 
and my phone started blowing up. <laughs> and I thought to myself, this is either really good or really bad. And then I thought deeper, if it was really bad, would my phone be blowing up? Like, would I be getting text after text? Your kid is blowing it. So I figured out pretty quickly that it was positive and it was a very proud moment for me, for my wife, for our daughter, Erin, just our entire family to see Noah do so well on that stage. He's obviously been around this his whole life. He's never been intimidated by any of this. This did not seem out of reach for him. So to jump in on that kind of stage in that moment, it was pretty special. Noah is the spinning image of you. I've talked to Noah quite a few times. He's very educated. He knows what he's talking about. He has a passion and you can hear it in his voice. Everything that he does, yeah. he is the spinning image of you. And so Errol, you're saying he's a very attractive man. That's <laughs> basically what you're getting. That's your way of saying, I get it. I am, I'm not looking at your son that way, but if that's if that, if that makes you feel better, I guess he is. <laughs> but Ian, we really appreciate you joining us. I've grown up in this business for a very long time, and you're one of the guys that I look up to, as you know. And we've become very good friends over the years, and acquaintances, really. But as the years progress, we've stayed in touch, and I love what you're doing. I love who you are as a radio guy, as a broadcaster, as a play-by-play -play guy. You really push people to want to accomplish all their goals. So it really drives all the fans out there that know who you are to want to be who you are and what you're doing in this business. No, that means a lot, truly. And I appreciate it. Appreciate our relationship. Love talking to you guys. We'll do it again down the road. And hopefully one day, once we get past all this, we'll actually cross paths <laughs> physically. We can air hug. I don't know. We'll figure out what's acceptable <laughs> at that point. <laughs> As you guys know, the great Iron Eagle. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will get into the Yankees and the Mets, wishy-washy to be exact, and the New York Knicks, the hot New York Knicks, the Brooklyn Nets playing great basketball too with Kevin Durant coming back, and the New York Islanders moving forward, going to the playoffs here on the Weekend Crunch. Queensbridge, baby. Nazio. I love this track. Illmatic dissing Jay-Z. This is a Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Joshua Silverberg. And on the board, as always, Mr. Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the Worldwide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Now, you're, you're playing Nas. I'm liking that, Speedy. A little flow. The Mets are playing like crap. The Yankees are looking old, as always. Man. Baseball sucks. <laughs> uh -huh. You got a bunch of overpaid players that are just not doing what they're supposed Make to be doing. Joke. <laughs> the Mets <Hopefully>. suck. <laughs> <laughs> And the Yankees are not too far behind them. So, uh, I mean, where can we go with this? Where can we shoot from the hip on this? Can I start? All right, go ahead. Spit it out. 
Because freaking Luis Rojas is everything. He's taking life so freaking seriously. Maybe he should uh, jump off the bridge. The you know, <laughs> maybe he should take an edible or something. God sakes, man. You got a guy that's so serious during his press conference. Maybe that's why the team is so high. Well, it strong. is legal in New York now. <laughs> well, you know, it's, you, know, it, you know, what's interesting is I saw a number the other day. It, it, all of baseball's batting average is completely down. Terrible. The league, the league is hitting only 230 this it's year. It's cold. That's why. I, I don't think it's cold. I think it has something to do with the baseballs again. The, the Major League Baseball does not know a way to go about these with the baseballs the last two years it was you saw the home runs were flying out of there like it was 1998 again and now this year now i'll say the baseballs they're not going anywhere the yankees are hitting home runs i don't believe that the yankees are still hitting home runs it's it's not the problem i don't think it has anything to do with the baseball but even the home run numbers are down this year too i I think it's really because of the weather i the weather has been so crazy there's no way for Major League Baseball to figure out which way should the baseballs go with this. They're altering the balls every year. And yeah, that sounds weird that I said that because I know Errol's sticking in his head of a joke probably right now. But baseball does not have a way or a system to figure out, do we want there to be more pitching or do we want there to be more home runs? Figure this out! Like, I, I tell you what you could do. I got a good idea. You can play with cork bats and, and dead balls. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> I mean, it's a joke. See, I figured it out. I don't even have to be Rob Manford. I, I'm a genius. Thank you, Robbie. <laughs> Dude, but seriously, man, the Mets, their starting pitching has been good. Thank God their bullpen has been really good. Their lineup is so freaking bad. Every game, it's one run. It's two runs. It's no runs. It's one run again. Wake up, man. I'm at the point where you look at Luis Rojas in his press conferences. He is so freaking serious. Wouldn't you Loosen be? up. His Chili. hitting coach, his name, he's hotter than Chili, if you know what I mean. Oh, smokes. <laughs> Let me tell you, you want to see a trend? So when the Boston Red Sox fired Chili Davis, what did they do the next year? They won the World Series, didn't they, Speedy? I think it was two years after. Yeah. It was two years later. When the Chicago Cubs fired Chili Davis. All right, let's they- get off the Mets. I, I, I don't care. Honestly... <laughs> Honestly, this whole stay, segment can't be about – we could talk about the Mets this whole segment. It wouldn't even matter. Seriously. Well, talk about the Yankees. No, I'm not going to talk about the Yankees. There's nothing to talk about with the Yankees. Aaron Judge can't stay healthy. They need to trade him. I don't care what Yankee fans have to say oh. anymore. Trade him. He doesn't stay healthy. He doesn't play more than 76 games. I don't care how great of a talent he is. Get rid of him. Stop picking on John Carlo. The guy's got what seven home runs. He's, yeah, he's got stop it. he's got nineteen, twenty RBIs. The guy's on his way of hitting forty home runs and one hundred and twenty-five RBIs, and you're stop booing please. him and throwing balls at him. Yeah. And then this team, to me, this team can't stay healthy. It's a bunch of baloney, and it is too cold. A lot of reasons. Anymore. Well, it's still. What are you talking about? Did you see last night? Did you go outside last night? Yes, I did. It was freezing last night. I was bringing things in. It was cold as hell. It was like a winter night. All right? It was freezing. Windy, There's no cold. Cool weather. I thought you slept. I do. But here's the thing. Ever since I had my neck surgery, it hasn't been the same. It's affected me since I've had my neck surgery. Physically or emotionally? Physically. It's affected me. Um, so do you need, as do far you as the like, cold. Do you need a tissue for your issues? I need toilet paper to wipe my ass. How's that sound? Speedy do it. Speedy's a pro. I, I don't get. want Speedy touching my ass. Okay? <laughs> I don't want to touch his ass either. <laughs> Speedy, Speedy's probably better at wiping asses than he is at mock drafts. <laughs> Again, I drafted for me, not predicting what was going to happen. Anyways. I think the are going to take Justin Fields. <laughs> That's what they should have done, but okay. Anyways. 
there's really nothing to talk about with MLB baseball for the New York sports. The interesting thing to talk about right now in New York is basketball. And, God bless the NBA for the Knicks. Uh, the Knicks and the Nets are two of the best teams in their Eastern Conference with uh, not a loaded conference. I mean, they're the 76ers, the Celtics, the Milwaukee Bucks. This is not a good conference. And what's interesting about the New York Knicks is everybody knew coming out of the All-Star break, the Knicks had the second hardest schedule in the NBA. Right now, going into the last two or two and a half weeks of basketball, the Knicks have had the third best record since the All-Star break. That tells you one thing about the New York Knicks. It tells you they have good coaching. They're playing as a team. They're buying into the defense of Tom Thibodeau, and they're not thinking for themselves. It is not becoming a Carmelo Anthony-esque type of team. You have a leader like Julius Randle, a star in Julius Randle. R.J. Barrett is getting better and better week by week. It's so funny because Jeff called me a couple of weeks ago, and R.J. Barrett looked bad in the game. It was a Sunday game, and I looked at the game, and R.J. Barrett had the most points. and the most. I was like, what are you talking about? He had 25 points, 12 assists, or 12 rebounds. Probably he probably had the over-under, and he missed it again. No, <laughs> no, he watched the whole game, and he says, the Knicks are playing great basketball, and it's crazy to hear it from Jeff because he can't stand the Knicks. He also and, wasn't crazy about Barrett as a prospect. No, too. he that hated Barrett. To do it, and he that. took shots at Barrett. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Barrett's getting better. He is going to be a great player in this league. He's a 25-10 and 10 type of player. I don't know if he's Zion Williamson. I don't know if he's John Morant. I don't know if he is. Maybe he gets better and better and he becomes better than him. Who knows? But his game has changed. His free throws have changed. His three-point shots have changed. He's a better all-around player, and that has a lot to do with coaching. So thank God it's no longer David Fisdale or Larry Browns or any of the garbage that they had over the years. I'm not taking shots at Larry Brown. I have a, a lot of respect for the Long Island native or the New York. I was going to say the Knicks native. have had much worse coaches than Larry Brown. But I just, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm taking I shots. Wilkins. Derek Fisher, if you want to say that. I mean, oh, stop it. He doesn't count. Uh, he, he, he likes know. to sleep around with their. His players' uh, girlfriends and wives, okay? So and Matt Barnes's too. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, girlfriends and wives, if you know what I'm talking about. But I just think that the Knicks are playing some great basketball. There's nothing bad to say about this team. It's absolutely remarkable. As far as the Nets are concerned, Kyrie Irving has been fantastic. The guy that should be an MVP candidate is Kyrie Irving. I have taken a lot of shots at this kid. I don't think he's a very smart man. That so much is true. I mean, when you come out and say that the earth is flat, that just tells you how big of an idiot you are. But as his game has really developed as the player, the one guy that really had to take this team and put him on their back, he has been the MVP of this team. And right now he's hurt. And Kevin Durant has come back. He's scoring 40 points. Kevin Durant is a remarkable story. I've never seen a guy come back from an Achilles injury like that and really has become the player of the year. I think he's comeback player of the year. It's either him or Julius Randle. They're going to give it to Julius Randle because Julius Randle has been consistent all year round, and, and Kevin Durant has not been healthy all year. But it's remarkable. It's a remarkable story, Josh. It, it is a very remarkable story. Well, you, when you look at the way Kyrie Irving was, right, he stepped away for a few games, and they got James Harden, and everybody said he's the third wheel. And Kyrie Irving has now come about it and has basically said that Harden is the number one, and I'm the number three guy, or whatever he said, something of that quote. I'm, I'm paraphrasing there. But it's impressive to see the leadership that he's taken on. 
And again, when you play seven games together with Durant, Harden, and Kyrie, I think it makes it even more impressive that the Nets have been able to be who they are still. Granted, there's still no defense on this team, but they're able to outscore you. And that's going to be something that's going to be big in the playoffs. It's just a matter of, will James Harden show up in the playoffs? That's always a key component here because James Harden has never been able to show up in the postseason. As far as the Knicks go, they're now a game and a half in front of the Atlanta Hawks because the Hawks have had some really bad losses. They lost their best player. That's a huge loss. Yeah, but to lose to the Detroit Pistons a couple of days ago, there's no excuse. You lost your best player. I mean, you lose a guy that's going to give you about 30-something points a game. I understand that. But the thing is, when you play the Detroit Pistons, whether you have your best player or not, you should be able to beat that team. Regardless. They're a very well-coached team. Detroit is a team that really has taken two steps back, but... I think the fact is, when you lose a player of that magnitude, it definitely hurts. It definitely but I said hurts. that a couple of days ago. I said when Trey Young was out, I said this might affect Atlanta. I said, but this, we don't know how long he's going to be out for with the high ankle sprain. They got clobbered by Philadelphia, which was no surprise. They also beat Milwaukee and Miami, though, too. The Knicks have to have as much cushion as possible going into this West Coast trip. They're playing Houston and Memphis in the next two games. Those are very winnable games. They should win those games. If they want to show that they're a legit playoff contender and they want to show the league that they're serious, these are two games you have to win. They'll beat Houston. Uh, They should beat Memphis too. I don't think they'll beat Memphis. I think Memphis will beat them. I like Memphis. I think Memphis is a playoff team. I think they're a dangerous team. And John Moran is showing you why he's as great as he is. So uh, Right now the number eight seed in the West. I, I, I really like the Grizzlies. And I think the Grizzlies could be very dangerous in the playoffs. You do not want to match up against them. They're a very strong oiled machine, and they're very good defensively. And John Morant is a beast. Before we go to break, I want to say something about our hockey teams. The Rangers losing and getting shut out by the Islanders, really, if the Rangers had any chance of making the playoffs a couple of days ago, was the reason why they're not making the playoffs. The Islanders are a very dangerous team going to the playoffs. They haven't played well, even from the trades that they've made. But I think that has a lot to do with Barry Trotz trying to figure out his lines. He doesn't know, with the new players, how he can position the lines where they're going to succeed. But I think that's why he needed to really use his scientific method, and I think he's starting to figure that out. I think before the playoffs start, he will figure that out. I think the Islanders are going to be very dangerous in the playoffs. Very dangerous. And nobody's going to want to play that. I'm not saying that because I'm an Islander fan. I'm saying that because it's factual. I just think that Barry Trotz is just trying to figure out what this team is and where these players fit. And by the way, Oliver Wallstrom, that kid's going to be a star. That kid is going to be really, really good. I've watched him a couple of games, and he gets better and better and better and better every single night. I told everybody that I could see this kid scoring 40 goals a couple of years. I think he's a 40-goal scorer. I think he's that good of a player. I think they need to put him with uh, Barzell. I think it makes a lot of sense. You need to keep him with the best passer on your team, the more electrifying player like Martha Barzell. If they do that... I think the Islanders could uh, really solidify themselves in the Eastern Conference for many, many years to come. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, Speedy, last segment of the day. No debate wars this week, but we still got crunch time. Here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Joshua Silverberg. And on the board, as always... When his underwears are up his cranny, Mr. Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You ever bleed up there? 
<laughs> bleed in my underwear? I don't think so. <laughs> if I did, I don't remember. <laughs> well, this has been a great show. And by the way, I want to thank the great Iron Eagle for joining Absolutely. us today. He was uh, wonderful. A good friend, a good confidant, one of the best mentors I've ever had. A person I look up to in, in, in this business. You need somebody to look up to, and why not have the great Iron Eagle be one of those guys. So thank you, Ayn, for joining us. And by the way, I want to apologize for all the fans that like the debate wars. They'll be back next week. We had Iron Eagle for 30 minutes. So just so you guys know, uh, we will have debate wars back. I think you'll week. enjoy the Iron Eagle interview more. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, listening to me just destroy you every time, you know, that's that's uh, a lot of fun. Too. Speedy? <laughs> I know you like to destroy Speedy, so it's okay. <laughs> Kiss my Well, ass. that too, but... <laughs> <laughs> All right, Speedy, what do we got? Crunch time. It's time for Crunch Time. All right, we'll start this week at Crunch Time with the NFL Draft and the New York Jets. Buy or sell, Zach Wilson will lead all rookie quarterbacks in passing yards. Right now, when you look at the receiving core, you can make the case. I'm going to buy that. I really believe that. I think when you see his receivers that he has, between him, Trevor Lawrence, and Fields, yes, Justin Fields has Allen Robinson, but after that, it's kind of tough. Look at the receiving room that he has now. So for me, I'm going to buy that. Trey Lance isn't going to start. Mac Jones isn't probably going to start. Justin Fields, Justin Fields could start. I'm going to say no. I think Justin Fields will, at the end of the season, have more yards thrown because he has the better wide receiver. I think Zach Wilson is going to have a fantastic season. I just think that the fact that Trevor Lawrence is on a team that doesn't have a lot of weapons, I know what Jeff thinks that they do. A lot of them are young, and they still have to figure things out, especially in a new scheme. And the Jets, with a new scheme, a new offense, it's going to take a little while for Zach Wilson to figure that out. So I just think that Justin Fields fits over there with the Bears. They're going to scheme through his game. So I think Justin Fields will lead all quarterbacks in yards thrown in his first year. I don't think he's the best, but I think this year it will be. So I'm going to sell that Zach Wilson will not be the lead rookie leader. Really quick, you say about that with with Justin Fields having the wide receiver, but who has the best wide receiver room out of all these rookie quarterbacks? Oh, it's Zach Wilson, no question. It's Zach Wilson, and who would have thought we would have said that two years ago at the receiver? <laughs> so Chris Hogan and Braxton Berrios. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Braxton Berrios was their best wide receiver last year. Give me a break. <laughs> oh pulled out their fifth receiver. <laughs> I'm not taking shots at Denzel Mims. He just wasn't healthy last year. So right. All right, buy or sell. You guys were talking about the Yankees' uh, woes earlier. One of the bright spots has been Kyle Higashioka. So buy or sell. He will hold the Yankees' starting catching job all season. I'm going to sell that. I think eventually the league's going to figure him out, and they're going to have to go back to Gary Sanchez. I know the fans don't want to hear it. I know they're done with him. But Sanchez has, has way more upside than Higashioka. Higashioka is a bona fide backup. That's what he's just he's hot right now. I'm going to sell that. We've seen this with the Yankee catchers. For some reason, Yankee catchers come up and they play very, very well in the MLB. I do believe that he is going to win the job. I think the Yankees are going to move on from Gary Sanchez. And it's crazy to say because I'm always backing up Sanchez. I I love the kid. I think a lot of people put him down, but I think the Yankees are done with him. I I really do. I think they're done with him, and unfortunately. So I am going to buy that. Higashiyoshi. We'll be. I think, I, I think a change of scenery for Sanchez might be the best. I think, and, and you'll see him succeed. I know you don't want Philadelphia. To that that's where I think he's heading. Philadelphia. Remember, I said that. Why would he go to Philly though? They have Riamuto. He's going to play first base. Mm-hmm. All right, buy or sell. We were talking. About, you guys were talking about the Hawks earlier too. It's fitting. So they will fall into the play-in series with the injury to Trey Young. So one of the seven, eight, nine, or ten seats. 
I'm going to buy that. Unless Trey Young gets back in early, I think that scares me the most is the fact that they lost to the Detroit Pistons. You should not. It's the Knicks lost against the Detroit Pistons in the early in the season. But that was, yeah. <laughs> way earlier in the year, right? So that was different. <laughs> the, let me ask you, if they played the Pistons now, are they losing to them? Maybe you're right. <laughs> they beat them like by 40 a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is very nerve-wracking if you're a Hawks fan. You're losing Trey on to the high ankle sprain. You don't know how long it takes to recuperate different guys. It's different for different players. It's all over the place. So I'm going to buy this. I'm very, very nervous and skeptical of the Hawks right now. But look, Why are you nervous? You're not a Hawks fan. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm nervous for the Hawks I'm fans. not. I'm, I'm I mean, not. look, when the Hawks get Trey Young back, they'll be the scariest team in the playoffs. Right? I don't think so. It takes a long time for a shooter to figure things out. Especially uh, a guy like A rhythm shooter. Yep. Coming from a high ankle sprain, I think the Hawks, that, that ended their season right there. They'll make the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to do anything. In Miami, it's hard to believe Miami's not going to go far into the playoffs with the talent that they have. So, no, I don't think that will happen. I'm going to sell that. No, I don't think they'll fall out of the top six. They're number five right now. I'm going to sell that they're not going to fall out of the top six. That bothers me so much because Miami has all the talent in the world. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. But they're not playing well either. So, I know. It makes no sense. All right. Buy or sell. Somebody that is not a quarterback will win rookie of the year. I'm going to buy. I still think Zach Wilson's got a lot to prove this year for the Jets. I know a lot of Jet fans said with the weapons that he has, he's, he's going to play out unbelievable and really fit the culture what the Jets are doing. And Trevor Lawrence, he's got all that, and, and Justin Fields. But I think with the players that we've seen, the running backs, I think the two running backs are going to be fantastic. I do believe Harris could be an explosive player for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the kid that went right after Moore, Elijah Moore from the Jets, uh, from North Carolina. Javante Williams. Javante Williams. Where did he go? Broncos. The Broncos. That was a weird one because they still got Melvin Gordon there. Yep. I think they're going to drop Melvin Gordon before the season starts. So I'm going to go. <laughs> go back to the Chargers. <laughs> I'm going to go with one of those guys. I don't think a quarterback is going to win Offensive Player of the Year. Also or, the tackle positions, too. Yeah, but will they give it to well, the offense? Oh, you, you mean like, you mean like the edge rushers and those guys? They ever win awards, the, the I, tackles? I, I, hey, listen, if they're dominating, you don't get you don't give a sack. Are you talking or, about the offensive tackles? I think, yeah, the offensive tackles. Oh, I don't think so. Why not? They but might I mean, be the most valuable rookie. They never win the award, though. Quinn Nelson almost won Offensive Player of the Year when he was a rookie. He was runner-up. He was top three, I think. He was runner-up. They really never win, though. There's two guys that I point at that I think could really be great rookie of the year. One is, I think, Rashad Bateman, working with Lamar Jackson is a guy that I look at is going to be he's going to be a key. He's instantly going to probably be the number one target for them. I know they have Sammy Watkins and those guys, but Bateman has a higher upside. And I'm curious to see what Jalen Waddle does being back with Tua. I really think Jalen Waddle is going to be so enforced and, encro- and encroached into this offense that it's going to be huge for Tua's. To- they asked Tua 100%. Which receiver do you want, Smith or Waddle? Which one do you have the better connection with? And he picked Waddle 100% because Tua said that to them. So I think Jalen Waddle is going to be a guy you're going to see very good numbers from this year. All right, buy or sell. The Islanders are right now four points behind the Capitals and the Penguins right now. They will finish with one of the top two seeds in the Eastern Conference. I'm only going to sell that, and the only reason why is being Boston also has games in hand. And I got to tell you, they finally got that winger for Pasternak on that second line ball. I love what the Bruins are doing right now, man. To, to get Taylor Hall for absolutely nothing, and he's fitting right in with that Bruins team. Him and Pasternak together have been fantastic. Washington is one of the hottest teams in the league right now. They're clicking at the right time. I think they'll jump Pittsburgh. I think they'll finish as the third seed. I think it's going to go 
Washington won. I see Boston getting that second seed, especially nope. with games at the end. Don't believe it. Nope. I'm going to sell it. I think the Islanders will stay at position where they are. And I, that's where the Islanders want to be. They don't want to move. I them to be the third seed. Yeah. I, oh, okay. So. You said no. Right. He sold it, too. He said sell. I'm selling. I'm selling. A lot of UFC weren't in the mix for this week. Buy or sell. Conor McGregor and Kamaru Usman will fight in either 2021 or 2022. I'm going to sell it. It's never going to happen. Why does Connor want to fight Ousman? He'll get his butt whipped. That guy hasn't won anything since he's come back. So what, what, what is he going to win now? He's got to first beat Poirier. When he beats Poirier, then we'll talk. So I'm going to sell that. Daniel. He's not beating Daniel Poirier. Let's be realistic. Not I mean, I mean, I not, not Daniel. Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier. Right? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. By the way, we didn't even talk about the Chris Wyman injury. Jesus. Uh, I don't want to talk about that. Oh, my disgusting. God, dude. I'm never yeah. dropping a leg kick like that ever I want to apologize because I know Chris. Uh, that's a oh sad situation. I felt, I felt horrible for him, man. It was terrible. But Absolutely horrendous. Uh, when has Conor McGregor won a big final last few years? He has won and nothing. He's he done nothing. He's won nothing. You're big over there in Ireland. That's for sure, Errol. You're the biggest guy of the all. What can I say? I'm a gift. I'm a gift from God. There you go. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to sell that. Yeah. All right, one more. LeBron James made his return Friday night. Buy or sell. LeBron James will play all nine of the Lakers' remaining games. I'll buy it. He's got to get in the groove. I'm going to buy it too. LeBron James needs to play. They need yeah. to move up in the rankings. They do not want to fall out of where they are. So, And they haven't played good basketball without LeBron James. So, And even when Anthony Davis came back, they weren't. Yeah, they just lost yesterday to the Kings. He still doesn't even look yeah. right. Yeah. He still doesn't look right, Anthony yeah. Davis. I'm going to buy that he's going to play all nine games. That's crunch time, as always. Uh, again, I want to thank Ian Eagle for joining us. It was a great show. Guys, I know your teams, or you want to jump off the ledge, or some of the players that you draft, uh, you're not happy about. Relax. You don't know what they are or what they could be. There could be a surprise player that turns into a superstar. We've seen this before. So just relax. I'm reading all the stuff on Twitter and Instagram and all the dumb stuff that people are saying. It's ridiculous. Anyways, that's it for our show. We will be back next week. Maybe another special guest. We'll see. But Ian gave us uh, all his input with the basketball and the football and his thoughts. And uh, very, very, very good information by Ian Eagle. Enjoy your night, Speedy. Enjoy your way home. Anyways, we'll be back next week. Do you guys have anything to say before we go? Great show. Talking about the NFL draft. I mean, we're winding down. The draft is now over. And on the Sports Lab Maps, we're going to be able to recap everything, all your teams. And there's a lot of interesting things that happen. There a lot of crazy things. crap from Jeff. I can't wait to hear oh that. Oh, my God. I might walk out when mm-hmm. Jeff comes on because I don't think I'm going to be able to stand listening to the negativity. Mm-hmm. It's going to be horrible. Mm, that's Jeff. I will say this Matt Jones got big hips, man. If you saw him in that suit. He's Looks just like hit. Tom Brady. Go look at their body structure. Same yeah, well, maybe he's doing too many uh, 10 cookie challenges in two minutes. Maybe he should chill with that and do that. <laughs> <laughs> cookie this, baby. Cookie this. Right, Speedy? You like cookies? I do like cookies. You like Oreo cookies? I do. You like single what Oreo cookies? Oreos and Chips Ahoy, Speedy. Single Oreo cookies? Single Oreo cookies. You mean cookies. Not the cream? Not the doubles. Wait. The singles. So the single with just the cream on it or the single? Oh, no, you got to do the double stuff. Yeah, no. double. I always do double stuff, too. Uh, yeah. I know you like the double stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for him to say that. Anyways, uh, that's it for our show. <laughs> we'll be back next week. Good night, everybody. Up.